This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Harbaugh came in, according to sources I've talked to in the last 24 hours, you know, his intention was, I'm going there to sign a contract. And that just like was not the case. This was a real job interview where he had to sell the team on him being the best fit for the job. And the fact is, it just did not, you know, both sides did not agree eye to eye on kind of what the entire thing was. And that's why he left Minnesota on Wednesday without an offer. <laughs> Dude, amazing. Reckless speculation. Oh, happy Reckless Speculation Thursday. It's Mackie and Judd. We got our friend Darren Doogie Wolfson in here from the Five Eyewitness News Sports Department. He's got his little TV dress shirt on. Where's the tie, Dugues? I'll get it on later. Phil, in fact, right now, I am pantsless. I don't need to show you the visual oh, for oh those God. who are watching. I, <laughs> sources tell me. I don't you even know, need to know that, Doogie. Yeah, it's just it's been a crazy 48 hours. I wasn't even entirely sure what the heck my TV schedule would be today. But, yeah, I'll be on TV later today. So I am half-dressed as we talk here at 1010 Central on Thursday morning. Happy Reckless Speculation Thursday. Yeah, that's the image we are all, all craving. Oh, I know. Absolutely. I can only imagine. So I'm envisioning I and we let's <laughs> unpack all of this. Yesterday was just a crazy uh a crazy turn of events in some ways just based on the way that everything looked like it was headed, but let's we'll get into all of it. I'm envisioning though Jim Harbaugh with his chiseled jawline walking into the Vikings practice facility yesterday with his little khakis, you know, some sort of like pen hanging out of the collar of his of his crew neck sweater. He was going to shake about six different hands and then grab a pen and sign a contract. And instead, the Wilfs and the other people involved in the search said, we actually have like six hours of questions we need to ask you about the way things ended in San Francisco. And I'm envisioning Jim being like, yeah, you know, I'm, uh, I think I'm good. I think uh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to call my guys at Michigan. So I don't know. How, Dukes, where do you want to start with this thing? What a day yesterday. Yeah, I mean, we can unpack any number of angles. Let's remember, Judd and I talked about this on Tuesday, that Quasey, when he initially interviewed on, what was it, January 17th via Zoom, was asked to give the committee, the Vikings committee, a list of coaching candidates. That's when Jim Harbaugh's name first came to light. It's not like the committee of the Wilfs, Andrew Miller, Rob Brzezinski, Jamal Stevenson, Ryan Munnins, and Detner. Had Jim Harbaugh on their radar, he was not, I'm sure in large part because of the weirdness, the goofiness. Heck, I heard Hall of Famer ex-Viking Chris Carter 
on NFL Network on Wednesday suggesting that Jim Harbaugh is a weirdo. Chris certainly isn't the only big name to attach that sort of commentary to Jim. So Quasey brings up the name Jim, also brought up the name Kevin O'Connell, also brought up the name Patrick Graham. These are things Judd and I discussed on Tuesday. So they go ahead, based on Quasey's recommendation, to move forward with Jim. But it's what Courtney said. It's what we talked about, Judd, on Tuesday. Jim did think he was coming here with every intention of signing a contract. That being a head coach for 19 years, having the success that he's had every stop along the way, that this was a mere formality. He was coming here. He was going to sign a contract. Phil, you've been on top of Harbaugh information going back multiple days. Your intel had been Harbaugh wanted back in the NFL. In fact, he had reached out to potential assistant coaches. Phil, you were the first person I saw who had that information. Mm -hmm. You had the information that he had done some homework on Kirk Cousins, that he's a fan of Kirk Cousins. So, like, there was a lot going on there, but he still had to sell himself to Mark Wilf, to others. Now, Ryan Munn is Jamal Stevenson in Mobile, but others at TCO Performance Center. Andrew Miller, for sure. And it just didn't happen. Something turned after lunch. Trying to pinpoint exactly what. Oh, Maybe that chili's exact... not sitting well. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, guys, uh, that juice I got to I, I take a break. That, that juice it was like yeah, mid-afternoon. was good, but I'm out. Yeah, and then Adam Schefter broke the news about 6.35. Yeah. But it started to shift in that 3, 4 o'clock, 2.30, 4 o'clock, 3 o'clock range. And I'm still trying to pinpoint exactly what. But make no mistake about this. Harbaugh came here thinking, I will be the next Vikings coach. The Vikings brass just didn't see it that way. I know going back to that initial Zoom conversation with Kevin O'Connell now, what, 12 days ago, then the in-person interview Monday in Los Angeles, I always knew they had a healthy opinion of Kevin O'Connell. Heck, even before the Monday interview, remember, in this time slot last Thursday, Phil, at the very end, you said to me, you said to Judd, who will be the next Vikings coach? I'm putting you on the spot. Give me a name. We both said Kevin O'Connell because we yeah. had that steam yeah. that that initial conversation went so well. The background work on him went really well. And I just I always thought an offensive minded coach would be the hire. So, sure, before in-person interviews, sure, I was guessing a little bit, but I'd like to think it was a somewhat educated guess. That's why I gave you that name, Kevin O'Connell, last Thursday. So I think that it's safe to say in retrospect now with the process basically done, uh, that the that the committee definitely liked O'Connell and, and that uh, Harbaugh had to convince them. And as much as I love and embrace conspiracy theories and what might have gone wrong and could there be some, like, underlying thing, I love that stuff because... <laughs> I miss that show. <laughs> it's coming back February 24th. Oh, nice. NBC. On a real original. network? Oh, good. NBC. Because I don't have Peacock. Network. I don't no, have... No, no, NBC. You know, we do have Netflix, though. NBC. So anyway, as much as I love to embrace the conspiracy theories in coaching searches and in life, uh, I'm going to say this. I think it's very possible that that about halfway through the session on Wednesday, the realization hit all sides. This is not a fit. Um, I don't think it's got got to be some magic turning point of of oh this is going bad now. I think that this this committee had a view 
guys, right or wrong, of what they wanted. And, and Quasi was important, but he was not the final, absolute, I'm the voice here. So I think that there's a very good chance we find out that at some point in time, all sides said, you know what? This doesn't really work out that well. Uh, timing, the, the fact that in the eyes of some, Jim and, and Zim were seen as being too much alike. I don't know that there's a magic bullet here. I think it might have just been a realization that for what this team wants to do from a coaching standpoint and a rebuild of at least two of the most important people in that building, that Kevin O'Connell in 2022 right now is a better fit. Yes. Well, I mean, this is the trend in recent years, right, in the NFL to hire a bright, young, innovative offensive mind. I'm with you, Judd. Like, I don't think there was any sort of like FU shouting match. Right. I do think it was mutual. You know, now Schefter got his information, presumably from the Michigan side, being a Michigan guy. And it was framed as if Jim Harbaugh said, thanks, but no thanks. The Vikings put it out quickly to many of us. Hey, we never made him an offer. So that's fine if he walked away. But yeah, bottom line, they just didn't see the fit. I am sure there is truth to those buzzwords. Collaboration. Inclusion. Remember, was it Brian O'Neill or Eric Kendricks or a combination of both? The season-ending media sessions they had about, hey, a guy who can walk by us in the hallway, say hi, ask us about our family. That wasn't Jim Harbaugh, but clearly... Led by Quasey, there was some level of interest. Oh, yeah. And you knew all along, like at 58 years old, Jim Harbaugh is who he is, right? Like, he's not changing. So maybe they just needed to see it up close, you know, just to to confirm everything that they knew. But in the event that maybe they felt like he had changed somewhat, hey, we will extend him an offer. But, yeah, the offer, it never came. But I'm just telling you, Jim Harbaugh flew into town two nights ago with every intention of signing a contract on Wednesday to, to the point. So I, I, let's go down this path for just a second here. Cause I, I I've seen some people, I've seen some people in the media fans, you know, wh- why would they disrespect a coach like Jim Harbaugh? Why would you fly him in for an interview if you didn't plan on making him an offer? And I like, if I'm about to hire someone to basically run my multi-billion dollar business and the last multi-billion dollar business he helped run, there was kind of a fiery car crash at the end of it. I'd want to get the guy in a room for six hours and ask some questions. Like, I don't think you can figure out how much has he changed or evolved or adapted. And plus, by the way, the NFL is not the same as it was when he last coached in it. I don't think you can figure this stuff out over a Zoom interview. So I have no problem with them flying him in. Now, if if, if there were some miscommunication and the expectations and maybe he thought something that wasn't like, okay, maybe there was a breakdown in communication, but like, Bring a guy in for seven, eight, nine hours when you're planning on giving him the keys to the franchise. Like that is, that's a prerequisite to me. I have no problem with the way the Vikings handled this. I have zero problem with how the Vikings handled this, Phil. I think they communicated the Vikings pretty clearly that Jim, you're not promised anything. But if you're Jim Harbaugh, Jim's like that's being a head coach for 19 years. I guess I get it. Now my understanding is Jim Harbaugh doesn't even have an agent. So I don't know who he was leaning on for advice. Maybe his older brother in Baltimore, John Harbaugh, you know, some other confidants. But, like, I'm thinking this was more Jim just looking at the situation saying, look at my competition. 
a 36-year-old offensive coordinator who called plays a little bit in Washington but hasn't called plays the last couple years. Patrick Graham only has ascended up to coordinator. Yeah, Raheem Morris, former head coach, but was fired a decade ago. Like, look at my competition. Of course this is my job. So there was some sort of disconnect there. There really was. I'd love for Jim Harbaugh, you know, to, to communicate verbally, not just via text message, although good get by Chris Thomason of the Pioneer Press, getting Harbaugh to text him back. And it was a, a classy text he sent Chris about wishing the Vikings all the best, you know, whatever he said about the process. Hey, Ziggy, Mark, you know, all the best to them. I'm happy for the opportunity. But, like, just something something went amiss there. But I don't think it was necessarily the Vikings. I'm just telling you that, Phil. I think it was more Harbaugh. I really do. And I, I guess the, the well, question is, from his standpoint, too, is, and we don't know this yet, did he get Michigan to up their offer? Because if he did, good for him. Because uh, there was Dukes a standing contract offer for him to come back, correct? And correct. he's going to get a raise. I but guess, not Mel Tucker money. You look at the Michigan State coach. Oh, right, but I'm just – Yeah, well, that's the competition I'm saying, in that did state, right? If you're here the Michigan him. coach, you're looking at the Michigan State coach saying, right. I need to make more money than that guy, and I don't think Michigan's paying Jim Harbaugh north of 10 years, $95 million. No, I'm mm. sure that's probably correct. Yeah. Um, okay, I, one other thing here just on, on Kevin O'Connell, because I, I am – I'm in on Kevin O'Connell. I'm very interested in the Sean McVay coaching tree. Obviously, that entire coaching tree seems innovative, well-prepared to be head coaches to this point. I still think if if your goal is to win as many games as possible, I think people are painting Jim Harbaugh as this risk. And this is my big reservation of all this. Like It's like Jim Harbaugh is a risk because of his volatile personality. It's like, well, despite that, he went 44-19 and and went to three straight NFC Championship games. I'm staring at a list that is miles long of hot up-and-coming coordinators the last 10 years in the NFL who flamed out and were failures as head coaches. Now, some of it was maybe they didn't get the right quarterback or maybe they were set up to fail with the roster and things like that, like Brian Flores, right? But um, to me, Kevin O'Connell, and I'm in on him, is a bigger risk when it comes to winning games than Jim Harbaugh. Am I wrong? No, no, not wrong at all. But could he be the next Zach Taylor? The next Matt LaFleur? The next Sean McVay? It's possible. Could he be the next Matt Nagy? Although it wasn't Matt Nagy coach of the year at one point and now fired. First year. Could he be the next Joe Judge? Yeah, I mean, Phil, he could. Like, we we don't know. I've heard good things. How about this for a segue? You know, before hopping on this stream yard with you guys, I was catching up with Joe Theismann. I'm going to Zoom with Joe Theismann later. So Joe is still tied into the Washington football organization, does their preseason games, I believe. He's still over at their practice facility all the time. He has spent a lot of time going back to when O'Connell was on the Washington coaching staff, just picking his brain. Joe was telling me over the phone before we Zoomed this afternoon just how great of a hire this is. You know, and I don't think Joe would have gotten back to me. I texted him. He called me back within 30 seconds, just Mm -hmm. gushing about Kevin O'Connell. Now, I get it. That's just one person's opinion, but I value the opinion of Joe Theismann. Hearing from some others, there's a lot to like. Houston had interest. Jacksonville wanted to interview him, but seemingly but they're, they're but botching they're their yeah. They <laughs> started the search it. before anybody, so seemingly they're botching their search. Although you know, heck, Rick Spielman may end up down there as an executive vice president. Maybe they end up hiring Doug Peterson. Maybe it ends up really well in the end. But the optics of the Jacksonville search 
make you question a lot of things. Then Denver had interest, right? George Payton and company. So he was on the radar of, of multiple teams. It was when, not if. Now, maybe the when is a bit aggressive this cycle compared to a year from now or two years from now, but Kevin O'Connell's time was certainly coming. And on the uh, Lafleur and Taylor comps, certainly as well, Dukes, there, there becomes the key point, which is this now. Can Quazy and O'Connell identify the quarterback? Because if you do, you win. And if you don't, you might win a little bit, but you're probably almost certainly not going to go to or win a Super Bowl. So I really think that that becomes the talking point. Is It's not just the coaching tree, uh, but, you know, the – Bengals in 2019, two and 14, man, life sucks. Oh, hold on a second. We got the first pick and, and it's a generational quarterback talent, Joe Burrow. So I think that's the, that's the next thing. And there's luck and skill involved there too. But I really believe that that is the most, that's the important step then for, for uh, fulfilling the promise of what the GM and coach start with. Well, and, and to that point, I'm just picking through some of this athletic article today too, from Chad Graff. And one of the nuggets he had was the Vikings, so they were blown away by Kevin O'Connell, uh, you know, in the in the interview process. But in that Monday finalist meeting in Los Angeles, O'Connell had studied the team's roster from the previous season. He came prepared with ideas on how to improve the team and was able to offer a nuanced review of quarterback Kirk Cousins, who, of course, he coached for for a couple seasons in Washington. And so, yes. what it doesn't say is, was that yeah. nuanced review, guys? We have to extend him for five years, or it was. Eh, I worked with him. I'm not sold. We don't. Well, know. and I'll be digging on that angle. Kevin O'Connell's agent is Trace Armstrong, who's one of the power agents in the game. You know, former Chicago Bear, played in the NFL. Trust me, Trace, others, he had others. You know, Kevin was always going to be overly prepared. So I'm not surprised by that. For what it's worth, Theismann thinks Cousins will stick. That it's his belief that Cousins and O'Connell have a good relationship. It's his belief also, by the way, that the Vikings picked the brain of Kirk Cousins doing their due diligence about Kevin O'Connell. Now, to what extent? I'll try to figure that out later today and over the next handful of days. I did say on TV last night that my prediction is a trade is coming. Just because some of the scuttlebutt during the year, heck, going back to his decision to not get the vaccine, some of the rift that that caused, that I do feel like there's some in that personnel department in favor of a trade. But I'm just telling you, for what it's worth, Joe Theismann, with his insight, thinks Kirk Cousins will stick it out that Kevin O'Connell wants Cousins as his quarterback. And I do think that it's fair to say, Dukes, that um, from the people that, that we have talked to since the vaccine um, controversy with Kirk, uh, it feels it feels like a lot of people in that building right now have an important voice. And I think Kirk lost the majority of those people. Yes. So, like, O'Connell and and Mike come in and say, well, I mean, I see some things there. And Quazy might, might be like, oh, okay. But it certainly appears right now that, that we are going towards a, a purple um, era of collaboration, right? And, oh, yes. And it's, very, it, <laughs> and it's very interesting that I really think that as of late last summer, Kirk Cousins had lost a large portion of of that building. And I think what those people think and say now matters. A I think year, that's true. That's why. It didn't six months ago. It's not like I know for sure as I sit here on February 3rd. Right. That a trade is or you. isn't coming. It's not like I can say anything with 100% confidence. 
But yeah, I'm reading the tea leaves to some extent based on, you know, what I said, what you just said, Judd, you know, knowing the opinions of, of some of those over at TCO Performance Center. And yeah, thinking about the collaboration that is now taking place more so than ever, because it's not like Rick was, you know, a dictator, Spielman. There was some collaboration going on with, with Rick, but now it's to another level. Right. That's why I'm just, you know, it's a little bit of a guess, but again, you know, I guess a little bit of an educated guess, at least that, yeah, I think, I think they can part ways. Now there is not a transformational quarterback. It doesn't appear in this draft class in next year's draft class. It looks like it, right. Bryce young of Alabama looks like he has superstar written all over him. And a lot of people like the Ohio state quarterback, CJ Stroud, but I'm not sure there is a transformational quarterback in this draft class. That being said with pick 12, Every quarterback could certainly still be on the board yeah. at pick 12. So if the Vikings identify a guy, the guy from Liberty, the guy from Pittsburgh, the guy from North Carolina, whomever it might be, hey, maybe you pull the trigger at pick 12. Yeah, we got uh, our guy Tyler Fornis from Climbing the Pocket. And yeah, he's Sports down in Mobile says, right now. Yeah. He's, been, uh, he's been texting us like videos of Malik Willis and Carson Strong. So Malik Willis. Yeah, is, Strong he, too from Nevada, he, yeah. Yeah, he, Malik Willis is going to be the guy that flies up draft boards after the senior bowl, and then he's going to be a combine wonder, right, because he's so athletic. But, um, I like, right now, I think Kuyper and McShay both have him outside the top ten. Guaranteed he will be the hot com- – and then you have to figure out, you know, do you have the coaching staff with Kevin O'Connell and whoever he hires to take a guy like Malik Willis, or maybe you trade up a couple spots and mold him, or do they decide to ride it out with Kirk for one more year, see what happens, and then aim for 2023? Yeah, I mean, that's the elephant in the room. I can make a case, even though there's no proof that the Wilfs are willing to do this 16 years body of work. But yeah, try to hit the reset button this year. Now, maybe the reset button is like what happened in Philadelphia, and you still find a pathway to making the playoffs. Maybe Philadelphia didn't quite hit the reset button, but... 2021 was a rebuild in many ways in Philadelphia, yet they made the playoffs. But with all these veterans, with all these guys on expiring contracts, 19 unrestricted free agents, one restricted free agent, you know, do you make a call on Michael Pierce saying, hey, it's time to go? Do you make a call on Harrison Smith, Adam Thielen, Daniil Hunter, Kirk Cousins? Maybe it is time to hit that reset button and really aim to compete starting in 2023. Mm-hmm. All right, Jugs, Wolves, red hot. Wait. In fact, wait for it, Phil. Oh, wow. Okay. Let's flag. transition. Are you going let's for transition. it? Yeah, let's do That's it. Right. Let's transition. Okay. No, wrong guy. <laughs> there they go. Right flag. All right. There we are. Minnesota Timberwolves trade deadline comes up February 10th, if I'm not mistaken. Quickly approaching. What can you tell us about Sachan Gupta's plans for this franchise, which looks like it very well could get in the playoffs? Forget the play-in tournament. Yes, sir. Dallas lost last night. Denver lost last night. Denver the five and six seed. Oh, get the flag. Get the flag. Doogie, we, we got to get the flag. You triggered it. <laughs> hey, keep waving it because the next four games, two against Detroit, two against Sacramento, when we talk next Thursday, the Wolves should be 30 and 25. They should win these next four games. Well, they're – I mean – they're probably going to go three and one, though, right? Well, like maybe, maybe they not, lose in Sacramento. Maybe. Let's not get too ahead of ourselves here. This Kate Cunningham is banged up. I don't know if he's playing tonight for Detroit or not, Phil, but you should beat the Pistons twice. But yeah, maybe you lose once to Sacramento. But 
Yeah. I'm thinking 30 and 25. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the goal, Judd. Can you find a way to avoid the play-in tournament? Because the fear, I talked with Bobby Marks for a while for a scoop podcast that I'll post at some point in the next couple of days. I talked with Bobby for about 40 minutes or 35 minutes on Wednesday. We went back and forth on the nightmare scenario of, okay, Wolves are the seventh seed. The Clippers or the Lakers are the eighth seed. The Clippers at that point have Paul George, Kawhi Leonard back, and some other guys. The Lakers have Anthony Davis, LeBron James. The Lakers are trying to do some stuff before next Thursday. The trade deadline, one week from today, next Thursday, early afternoon. But could you imagine seven seed Wolves against eight seed Lakers? Yeah, the game would be at Target Center. But, like, I don't know if I like a one-game scenario against LeBron and AD. So you could maybe lose that game. Okay, the Lakers win that game. The Lakers then are the seventh seed in the playoffs. The Wolves then play the winner of the 9-10 game. Okay, let's say that's the Clippers. The Clippers get by the Blazers. So then to make the playoffs, it's a one game. Yes, a target center, but it's a one game against the Los Angeles Clippers with surely Paul George, maybe Kawhi Leonard. That would be a nightmare scenario, having to beat the Lakers and Clippers just to make the playoffs, just for the right to play likely the Phoenix Suns or Golden State Warriors in a best of seven. If you are the sixth seed, it's likely you will play the Memphis Grizzlies. That would be best case scenario. Memphis looks great. Memphis would be favored. But you mean to tell me the Wolves in a best of seven couldn't find a way to beat the Memphis Grizzlies? I don't think it's nuts. I really don't. So that's why the sixth seed is so important. Avoid Phoenix and Golden State. Avoid the potential of Lakers Clippers in the play and just to play Phoenix or Golden State, just make the playoffs, then you open up against the Memphis Grizzlies. That would be best-case scenario. In terms of the trade deadline, hat tip to Jared Weiss, John Krasinski of The Athletic. They had the initial steam on these Wolves-Celtics talks. Here's when I, you know, where I can advance that story. So here's what I was told. I'm reading this verbatim. Minnesota definitely trying to trade for Marcus Smart of the Boston Celtics. But unless they include a first-round pick, or Jaden McDaniels, in addition to Malik Beasley, most likely doesn't get done. Mm. Boston countered, offering Josh Richardson and a young wing, either Romeo Langford or Aaron Neesmith, for Beasley, Minnesota countered with Marcus. That's where the disconnect has been between the Celtics and the Wolves in these trade talks. So the Wolves are trying to send Malik Beasley to Boston. Boston wants some shooting help. Looking at more of the big picture, not necessarily Malik's shooting numbers this year, but his overall shooting numbers. So Boston says, okay, we would like some shooting help. Give us Malik Beasley. But the Wolves are saying, unless Marcus Smart is coming back our way, there is no match. Yeah, Malik will help you with shooting in more than one way, too. It'll be great well, for Boston. Yeah. There uh, are off-the-court red flags there, there's no doubt. But you know what? He's been fine You know, ever since the Plymouth incident. Uh, my understanding is there have not been any any red flags. So I'm sure Boston's done its due diligence on Malik, they are interested in trading for Malik Beasley, but only if they can give up Josh Richardson and, say, Aaron Neesmith. I don't think they're giving up Marcus Smart in a Malik Beasley package, unless they're getting that first-round pick hmm. and or Jaden McDaniels. But the Wolves are casting a wide net. They've talked to Houston. They've talked to Portland. They've talked to Philadelphia. They've talked to Washington, I know. I'm sure others, but I can tell you for sure those teams. I also was told last week that the Wolves had a high-ranking – front office official 
scouting for trade purposes, the Philadelphia 76ers. It wasn't the opponent Philadelphia was playing that night, but it was specifically Philadelphia. Unfortunately, I don't know which player. We know it wasn't Ben Simmons. He's not playing. But that the Wolves were keying in on some player on Philadelphia interested in, in some trade chatter. Okay, let me let me ask you. I'm going to just rapid fire here. Percent chance of, and you give me to the best of your knowledge, the, the percent chance of here. Percent chance of some kind of trade in the next week. Just overall percent chance of some kind of trade. 85%. Okay. Wow. Percent chance that they trade Pat Beverly, who I see his name continues to sort of pop up. I hate that idea, by the way. 22%. Really? That's, that's pretty high. That's his number, right? I think that's his number, yeah. Yeah. Very, okay. Very... Well, okay. I'll even go a little bit lower. But know this. Can I, can I pontificate for a second, even though mm-hmm. you just want a, a one-word answer? Yeah. So Beverly and his agent have been trying for this contract extension for weeks upon weeks. They want this contract extension. The two sides have not come to an agreement. So if there's an opportunity to bring in, say, Marcus Smart, then the Wolves would say, okay, thanks for everything, Pat Bev, but we will send you on your way. There's an injury history there. We're seeing it right now. You know, he's back now, but we've seen it this year. Like, he misses games. That's why I'm fine guaranteeing money for next year. I couldn't fully guarantee Beverly two years out. Partial guarantee, sure. So make it a two-year contract extension, second-year partial guarantee. I could not guarantee that second year. And I believe the Wolves feel the same way, but they'd love to have him here for the next couple of years. If he proves he's healthy, he'd be here yeah. for the next two years. But just also know this, Phil, unless you're Carl Anthony Towns or Anthony Edwards, there is a possibility you get traded. Yeah, I, I, th- I just feel like Pat Bev has helped set the tone for this entire organization. And maybe I'm over overrating and overvaluing. I mean, even when he's in street clothes, I just feel like, his presence gives this team more confidence that they than they would have had if he wasn't here, even when You're he's right. not playing. You're right. I would not trade him. I want mm-hmm. him here for bare minimum the play-in tournament, hopefully beyond the play-in tournament. Okay. And, like, you can you can throw out the name Jared Vanderbilt. I would tell you about 3%, but I yeah, can't say no. zero. I can tell you zero on Ant. I can tell you zero on Cat. Like, I think Vanderbilt is going to be here February 11th. I do think Beverly is going to be here. February 11th. I would look more at Jake Lehman, potentially Torian Prince, although he's been better of late, but that is a big expiring contract. Not Jake Lehman. No, not Jake Lehman. Josh Okogie, if somebody wants Okogie, there was a hoop type report that Utah has a little bit of interest. You're not getting a lot for Josh Okogie, but I could see Josh Okogie being moved. And I can see Sachin being open-minded to moving his 2022 first-round pick. You probably make it lottery protected in the event you don't make the playoffs so that might you know have a little bit of a bearing on what the return is but i can see him at least exploring the possibility of moving this year's first round pick okay a couple more percent chance they trade for ben simmons in the next week they'd love to i don't see any movement there i don't but they'd love to phil they've tried for a while going back to june i mean they've Mm -hmm. tried and tried i'm way 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 less inspired by him than i was six months ago but well so, I mean, he's still the same player, you know, the warts are there with the, with the shooting, but he does so many other things really, really well at a high level. I mean, all defensive player, like, I don't think any of that has changed. I mean, he's been working out. Yeah. He hasn't played in an actual NBA game for a while, but 
It's not like he forgot how to play basketball. So what is Daryl Morey? If you like him in June, you should like him now. What is Daryl Morey doing though? Like, like this one amazes me. You're literally um, um, ostracizing the the guy, and I get you're mad, uh, but you're dragging his value down. Well, not only are you dragging his value down, I also don't get what Ben is doing, Judd. Sure. Even though he says money doesn't matter. I mean, he has punted away millions upon millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe he feels like, his camp feels like, an arbitrator will give him that money back. They'll go through that process down the road. Mm-hmm. But right now, he has given up a ton of money, millions of dollars. So what the heck are you doing if you're Ben Simmons? But if you're Daryl Morey, the window isn't wide open with Joel Embiid. There's an injury history there. Philadelphia has a legit chance to win the East this year, but so does Brooklyn. So does Milwaukee. So does Miami. So do maybe a couple other teams. The East yeah. is stacked. Like if the Wolves were in the East, it'd be like an 11th or 12th place right now. So thankfully they're in the lesser of the two conferences first time in a while, because for so many years, the West was the better of the two conferences, but the Eastern conference is stacked, but Philadelphia can win the East. So if you're Daryl Morey, Judd, I would make some sort of trade. You can get a decent return right now for Ben Simmons. Bring some sort of package in that can help you win this year. Make a run at the championship this season. You get the right return. The guys they have, Philadelphia can win the championship. Oh, oh, sorry. Sorry. No, I thought thought Doogie was talking about the the Timberwolves winning the championship. Oh, hold on. Sorry. Sorry. I got, no, I, got but Phil, the I heard so championship. Again. We Flight just want meaningful <laughs> games in April, Phil. We'll worry about the championship later. Just give us meaningful oh, games, plural, yeah, we yeah. in yeah. April. Yeah, and as long that. as you're the seven or the eight seed, you get the two games. Yep. Dukes, uh, give us some – anything else you got? Oh, do we get to the D'Amico Ryans thing? Give us a couple of oh, rapid yeah, fire scoops you. here. Yeah, yeah, I jotted it down. So here's the update. So I brought up with Judd. D'Amico shares an agent with Quasey. So I brought that up that, you know, did D'Amico maybe hear that the Vikings were trending in a different direction? So he bailed. I can't necessarily rule that out, but I was told to advance that note that he truly does want to grow as a coach, that he feels like he just doesn't have much experience, that he just doesn't feel like he's ready to be a head coach. Hmm. So he needs some more time. So that is what he conveyed or his agent conveyed to the Vikings, that he truly does believe there's some more growing that needs to take place. He is not ready to be a head coach. Thus, that is the main reason why he bailed from the Vikings search. Interesting. All right, that's Darren Doogie Wolfson. Inside information on this Reckless Speculation Thursday about reckless Minnesota sports teams. You can find him on 5 Eyewitness News with his TV shirt and tie. And tie and on, pants. too, though. He's yeah. got pants. pants. You know what? No. important. No guarantee of pants <laughs> on TV. By the way, Quasey not getting to Mobile. Quasey not getting to Mobile. I thought maybe now with a lot of things wrapped up that he might try to hop on a plane, go catch the last you know day and a half, two days of the Senior Bowl, but no Quasey down in Mobile. He doesn't I, want it. There's enough clear. videos of Malik Willis on he social doesn't, media. Nah, he doesn't want all it, you need. He doesn't want it. I'm done with him. He doesn't work hard? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> you got to want it. You got to want to be there. Senior Bowl. <laughs> I love it. All right, Dukes. Great stuff, Bye, man. Doogie. All right, All right see, you. see you, boys. Bye-bye. Aaron Doogie Wolfson here on this Reckless Speculation Thursday. So high Mackie and Judd. Things are looking good for your Wolves. I, he, he said championship, and I jumped the dream. there. He Dare was talking to dream. about the Sixers. I mean, listen, the Timberwolves, 
I like if they do. They do like even this. rattle off like three out of four wins here. They're they're definitely within striking yeah. distance of the five seed sometime oh in the next God. couple. I know. Yeah. I would try. I like to see blast. you excited like this. It's great. Long suffering Wolves fan. Love it. Love it. All right. Reckless speculation Thursday continues here. Presented by our friends at Federated Reckless Speculation Mutual Insurance Company. If you're a business owner out there, Federated's been around for over a hundred years. They're based in Owatonna. They are one of us. And they actually uh, they have a great partnership with the Timberwolves too. As you uh, look to root the Timberwolves on to the to the five seed in the West, but Federated's all about helping you maximize the success of your business by minimizing risk. Risk management tools, resources, FederatedInsurance.com. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. Here's my question to you guys. We'll get to some old tweets exposed, but on the Vikings, now that Kevin O'Connell is the guy here, do you think, let's call him Cam and KOC, Kwesi okay. Adolfo Mensa and uh, Kevin O'Connell, Cam and KOC, do you think because of KOC's connection to Kirk Cousins, and by the way, I'll, I'll reiterate this, in the athletic article detailing what happened over the past week or so and what led to Kevin O'Connell, mm-hmm. he has done a detailed study of the Vikings roster. He has prepared ideas on how to improve the team and it was able to offer the Vikings decision makers a nuanced review of quarterback Kirk Cousins, who he coached in Washington. Do you think the Vikings' new leaders will double down on Cousins and say, wow, look at KOC, look what you guys did with Stafford. Got to get that cap hit down so we can build this roster. But if you guys did that with Stafford, what can we do with Cousins? Aren't they in the same bin? Now, I think Stafford is in a bin higher than Cousins, but you can make the case that if you just give Cousins better infrastructure, which Kevin O'Connell is going to bring, right? Let's 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 see if we can get Kirk to another level. Let's let's stay the course. Let's not go and you know play roulette in the draft. Or do you think they look at the Bengals and say things might be choppy for a minute, but if we can nail the franchise quarterback like they did, and they had the number one pick, which is a little different, that's the path to go down. What do you think, Kevin O'Connell and Quasi Adolfo Mensa are going to do at quarterback? I think if you put all the pieces of the puzzle together, and it, it's an elaborate one, expensive one, it's all spread out on the kitchen table right now. I think that you, I believe that they will select from your two alternatives, Phil, door number two, and here's why. Because between the combination of the two, I think O'Connell knows Kirk, knows what Kirk is capable of. You have said, you just flat out said right there that you don't believe that in truthfulness that you could put Kirk and Stafford in the same bin. Kevin O'Connell, 36, ego at play probably, but sounds like a smart offensive mind. If you just said that, my guess is he knows that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he's not going to come in in here to a job that's his first job. And if it doesn't go well, it could be his last and try and force that and say Matthew Stafford and Cousins are the same guy. And he he knows all of Kirk's attributes and all of Kirk's faults. So I think he would say, my friend Zach with the Bengals found a quarterback, a young one too, team control for a long time. And, And that's the way to go. Plus, guess what? Burrow is great. There's no doubt about that. But Taylor is going to get some portion of the credit for for helping to mold Joe Burrow, right? Mm-hmm. 
Like, you're not going to help mold Kirk right now. Like, Kirk is a veteran. He does what he does well. He does what he doesn't do. Uh, but he's not going to be a moldable commodity. And so I think with a fresh slate, if you're O'Connell, you say, I'd much prefer to come in and get my hands on what I consider to be an ascending young quarterback who's like a piece of clay. The second thing is crazy. Quasi's going to look at Kirk, and I think he's going to look at this entire roster and do an audit of the contracts and how much guys cost and say, this team isn't built correctly, because it's not. This team is not built. It, it, it prioritizes pricing on certain positions, which I think Quasi's past experience will say, that's a mistake. Now, that to be clear for the thousandth time does not mean those are bad players. It means, unfortunately for them, they play positions in a lot of cases that are being paid um, at a scale that's higher than they should be. And so it's my belief that between these two smart young men, one what, one guy in Quasi 40 and O'Connell 36, mm-hmm. it's my belief that they are going to say the Cincinnati model, while we would probably prefer not to go 2-14, and 14, is the correct one. And what Sean did was was Sean literally plugged Stafford in as the last piece because Jared Goff is bad. Mm-hmm. Um, the Vikings aren't in that position, so I think I think they are not going to see, see this as let's try and replicate Kirk playing the role of Matthew Stafford. Yeah, yeah, and and you know the only way that you can really compare Stafford and Kirk up until this year this is the year that Stafford separated from Kirk because he finally got to an organization that wasn't the Lions and the, and this is the mistake people make they say well look at Stafford he went from the Lions to the Rams he went to better infrastructure there is no comparing the Vikings even with some of their warts with Zimmer and you know the last couple of years there yeah. is no comparing the two and for as much as you people want to bang the drum and say well look if you can just get Kirk a competent defense what might happen well do people just forget about 2018 and 19? The Vikings have one of the best defenses in the league in 2018 and most of 2019. And yes, they went and won one playoff game in 19 and then were clearly outmatched on pretty much, you know, in every facet against the 49ers. And so I guess what I'm wondering is does does Kevin O'Connell look at Cousins and say, "Hey, we got along great and he's super accurate." When, when things are going great and the conditions are set up, he's got an offensive line, you know, he can definitely play. I mean, he can ball. He's, he's got talents. Or does he look, like the way I look at Kirk is, and there's a great article that Arif Hassan wrote for The Athletic. If you guys haven't read it yet, it's a deep dive into Kirk's glass ceiling, basically. All of his strengths, but, but his glass ceiling. His entire career and his successes are built around risk aversion, sticking to a pre-programmed process and essentially taking what the defense gives him. And uh, Arif did a great job pulling a ton of quotes and things from Kirk's book, from press conferences where, you know, hey, it's a moment of crisis, Kirk. What happened late in that game on third down or fourth down? Why did you throw it under the sticks in a moment where your team needed you? Well, I'm just taking what the defense gives me, right? Some of those games early in the season where Justin Jefferson gets like four or five targets or six targets instead of 15 or 12. What happened there? Well, you know, we're just taking what the defense gives us. And that's going to, if you take what the defense gives you and you avoid interceptions and you avoid risk and you stick to your pre programmed, planned out process that you spent 80 hours planning throughout the week, you're probably not going to go three and 14. You know, 
Like, yeah, you're probably yes. going to win seven or eight or nine games. Absolutely. But if you want to win a championship and you want to go on the road in the playoffs or go into primetime against a jacked-up, you know, 11-win team in December or something, and you want to go toe-to-toe with the best, conditions are going to be uncertain. Teams are going to get you into third and longs where they know you have to pass. You're going to have to improvise, be off script. You're probably going to have to make something happen outside the pocket. And and for those reasons, it's like, is Kirk to blame for some of the the you know the lack of success? Yeah. It's it's more complicated than that. Kirk's risk aversion is ultimately going to prevent the Vikings from winning a Super Bowl with him. And I wonder if Kevin O'Connell sees that or if he latches on to the positives. That's my question. He is a bad hire if he doesn't. Like, if he doesn't know that, he has spent a year with Kirk. If he literally comes in and says, oh, man, Kirk can... Think think about this. Everything done for Kirk here as as far as scheme goes. So, And this is the weird thing. Like, they didn't build the right team around Kirk, but they did try and morph the scheme. And everything done has been what? We got to make Kirk comfortable. Football as a whole, but playoff football especially, is built, and it's what makes it fun, on the need for and want for chaos. Because football, because the National Football League knows chaos is fun. Yeah. So you're going to so be they, down by 20. You're going to get punched in the mouth. Yeah. They purposely, basically the game is chaos. So no, so, so perfection in football is rare and actually not fun. What's fun is how do you overcome the chaos you're presented? And Kirk can't, he flat out can't. And, and I'll get, give you an apples to apples of Kirk and Burrow that goes beyond age or like skills because Joe is a fantastic player and Kirk is good. Um, but here, here's one that, that to me is an absolute telltale sign of, well, Kirk can change. And you're like, no, he really can't. Joe Burrow in that play in the game against the Titans was sacked nine times. His offensive line. I, I mean, if the Vikings are bad, the Bengals line that day sucked like embarrassingly bad. And Joe Burrow got sacked nine times. He not only won, but he got sacked nine times and got up and was like, okay, let's go. Let's play. And like, you could see his teammates like, oh my God, that's going to be it. He's going to collapse. And he never did. Kirk would have been a, a a puddle of jelly by the third or fourth time. And, and Burrow is so mentally strong that in the conference title game, there was one play where, where he got hit. And he was clearly, as he was being hit or running, the defender from the Chiefs grabbed his face mask. It was crystal clear. And most guys would try and sell that and and point and get the flag. Burrow didn't get the flag because he never pointed it out. He just Mm -hmm. kept going. Uh, These are the mentally strong things that Kirk will never have. And, like, you could – we can debate – arm talent and we can debate skills but this is why i say he will never win a super bowl because he's not wired right um because what joe burrow did there is a conscious decision and a personality trait of screw it i don't care i'm winning so so this is if kevin o'connell doesn't know that then the vikings are not going to be hiring the right guy for their head coaching job so i feel like every time we get into a discussion about saying goodbye to kirk or trading kirk we should also follow up with some sort of answer for, okay, well, because well, well, a lot of people are going to ask, well, what's your solution? What would you do? How, why are you going to move off a top 15, top 12 quarterback? 
We've got so, the answer. So what would you, you know, Declan, where are you at with this? Mm-hmm. Do, you answer the question. Do, do you think the new brain trust will look to keep Kirk around, or do you think they will look to move him? And then if they move him, what do you do at quarterback? I think the new brain trust has like 75% of their minds made up of what they want to do with Cousins. I don't think it's definitively 100% that they're going to keep him or trade him. I think it's, but I think it's mostly one of those two, and it's mostly swung in, in one of those two ways. The new coach that they're hiring, which clearly now is Kevin O'Connell, what does he think of the situation? And is he the other 30% of that pie that says, yes, we need to move on, or yes, we need to keep him? Um, I think in general, with KOC working with him, uh, he has a familiarity with them. And actually, I'll play this clip here. I was going to play it on Purple Daily, too. But this is Kevin O'Connell in his press conference going into the NFC championship game from last Saturday and or last Sunday. And he talks about basically what an offense is and leaders on offense. And can the quarterback mostly be that person? But can other people step up? I'll play this clip. Tyler Higby is one of the most underrated leaders that I've been around. Just how they operate, uh, how they attack every single day. They push each other to be... Uh, at their absolute best, and 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 all of those guys, uh, in the end, are really coachable. They're great communicators. Um, so I, I definitely think the quarterback, uh, if if you got the right guy, is is uh, running the show, and and those guys will follow him. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I can't tell you how uh, great of a group we have in that huddle. Um, depending on uh, who's in there, we got great guys. So those buzzwords, right? Like, is he coachable? Are there leaders? Do they gravitate towards him? No, I, obviously Stafford, Stafford is like a way, no matter how you parse Cousins and Stafford, Stafford has more of a leader quality than, than Cousins. That, that, I think that's oh, just clear. Un- Night, unquestionably. Like, un- unquestionably. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the way, just in, in picking apart those, the buzzwords he used in that clip, I think that tells a lot that this dude definitely knows what an offense is and how it, what it takes to be a Super Bowl team. In, in terms of coachability, too, and I know people are going to laugh at this because, like, Jay Gruden, he's, a, he's incompetent. But Jay Gruden was the head coach for Cousins in Washington. And they butted heads because – and Jay Gruden was, like, very frontal about this sometimes to the media. And then especially after he was fired by Washington, then he was much more open. That he and Cousins would butt heads over, like, what a tight window was versus what, you know, a realistic open window was as you're throwing the ball. And Cousins being risk-averse – would constantly pass up chances to drive the ball further down the field because the window was too tight. And Jay Gruden would say, guy, I can't scheme you receivers being open by 30 yards every time. You're going to have to make some tight window throws. And Cousins is quoted as saying, well, if I, if I threw all the passes that Jay wanted me to throw, I'd throw 19 and 20 interceptions every year. And Jay clapped back. This is like back and forth through the media and just, yeah, and you'd also throw 60 touchdown passes. So, and again, was, is Jay Gruden, you know, Bill Belichick? No, I'm just, he's not, he's not Sean Payton. But Jay Gruden is saying, this dude drove me nuts because he's checking down and throwing short of the sticks. And hey, that helps your passer rating, completion percentage up. Nice little eight yard gain, right? But on third and 10, it doesn't matter. Jacks your, jacks your passer rating up, but it doesn't help us if you're not driving the ball down the field and risking making a mistake or throwing an interception sometimes. And so from that standpoint, if his head coach is saying, I need you to do this, and he's saying, it's a little risky for me, coach, that means he's not coachable. I don't know what other way to, you know, how else to characterize it. Zimmer, Zimmer literally told him that this year you need to take more chances. Mike Zimmer hates quarterbacks who take chances. Like, 
he he had gotten to his wits end and and said that. Now I will say this: I have the answers for the future. It's not that hard. Um, one is I am I am totally on board if it's necessary with spending 2022 with a cheaper bridge QB. Um, and, and I would not be adverse to if if you love a QB in this draft, take him. That's fine. But if you don't, and there, there's a chance because this QB draft is supposedly not great, that you see where things fall in 2022, where you're going to draft, but you make the commitment to make a significant trade to go up and get a quarterback that you have identified and liked. And and before anybody mentions Christian Bleep and Ponder. The difference there was that was a grab of quarterbacks and the Vikings um, were about in the first round, the last in line and took Ponder out of desperation. I'm not saying the 2023 draft, you're like, where do we fall? We, we're going to have to grab a quarterback there. I'm saying that you have a plan to make a trade to go up and get one, mm-hmm. which the Vikings did not do. Yep. So I would, what I would do is I would trade Kirk Cousins. I think you might be able to get a first round pick for him, despite some of these deficiencies. There are some quarterback starved teams with good rosters that might be able to talk themselves into, you know, hey, we can make a run here. Broncos, Panthers, uh, Steelers need a quarterback. You know, there's a, there's a there's another handful of teams too. So I would make that trade, get what I can. Let's say it's a second round pick, save thirty mil, thirty thirty five million dollars in cap space. I would then sign Jameis Winston, Teddy Bridgewater, or Marcus Mariota to be my one or two year bridge quarterback. And expl- and pe- explain that, right? Because right now, right now, people are going like, oh, Phil, that's the stupidest thing. No. Nope. Explain that. Okay. So this is a downgrade from Cousins. The three guys I just mentioned are not as good as Cousins, but they are much less expensive than Cousins. PFF projects them all to be on either one or two year deals this offseason for $10 million or less. So. Any one of these guys, you're bringing them in short term. You give yourself quarterback contractual flexibility, right. and you gain much needed cap space to build out the rest of your roster. There's other moves you can make too, and that quarterback serves the purpose of being the starter until you find and groom a young quarterback, and that could happen either in 2022. What maybe, maybe Kellen Mond? We don't know. Kellen Mond, we we know nothing about his ability because Mike Zimmer wasn't spending any time with him. Could it be Malik Willis, who's going to be the number one quarterback in this year's draft? Could you trade up for him? Yeah. Or could you wait till 2023, a much more, you know, quarterback rich draft? So there's, there's a, over the next like year and a half, there's a few different avenues to get your young quarterback of the future. And in the meantime, I am moving off the Kirk Cousins contract. I am no longer going to be kicking the can down the road. And if I, and if, if the demand is so great and the supply is so little for quarterbacks, I'm going to take advantage of that and get a first or second round pick for him. So, again, do I think Marcus Mariota, Teddy Bridgewater, or Jameis Winston are better than Cousins? I think Jameis might actually be. But the answer is no. But but that's that's the move that I would look to make. And that, that brings up an intriguing point, too, in this. Or trade Robert for Zinsky, What's that? Trade for Gardner. Trade for Gardner, Gardner Mitchell would be fine for a year. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't care. Um, Brzezinski's done a marvelous job in... in managing the salary cap for quite some time now. I think he started in 99. Uh, but the reality is, since Spielman became GM in 2012, it's always, I think, been like, Rob, what can you do? Like, I get the cap. Rick Rick says, I get the cap, but what can you do? 
Uh, Rob, I think, is still going to be instrumental, but Quazy's definitely going to get the cap. Like, he's not go- going to go to Rob and say, make this work. He's going to probably sit down with Rob and say, how do we make this work um, to, be- to benefit the franchise? So I do think there's going to be far more in-depth cap discussions because, I mean, th- those are not two guys who are going to, to say, kick the can down the road and the cap's not real. They're going to say, no, the cap is, and that's part of the problem here. Mm -hmm. So I do think that the discussions between probably two of the most important people uh, in the front office of the Vikings are going to be much more nuanced. And I'm not trying to say Rick didn't care, but I think Rick leaned on Rob. I think Quazy will work with Rob. So I think the decisions that we're going to see as far as – as far as what is paid to positions is going to change. Mm-hmm. And it's probably going to seem much more logical. Yeah, Your defensive tackles aren't going to eat up a large portion of your cap because we just need two defensive tackles. Yeah. No, I, that seemed weird from the jump. It's like, okay, three couple of nose tackles? Yeah, know? a couple of nose tackles. It always seemed weird. What are we doing there? It's but I think that changes get, get a, a lot. So, so much more to be discussed on this. And there's going to be, I think, advancements in the reporting of I think Doogie's going to get some information in the next week on how Kevin O'Connell actually feels about Kirk Cousins, and so we can have those discussions. But uh, every Thursday, in addition to reckless speculation, we go back into the archives and expose ourselves. Mm -hmm. Old tweets exposed, or sometimes old video clips from social media exposed. So what do you got for us this time? Okay, so this was last week's edition, and it still is relevant for today. Uh, I went back. And I looked at our early season predictions for the Vikings. And there could be a gold mine and just old tapes, old tweets and takes exposed for the next few weeks from this video because I haven't parsed the whole oh, thing. But oh, we each gave our record prediction and oh, playoff predictions. Let's oh, start no, with dude. Phil. No, dude. Um, I'm going to stick with my 10 that I had when we went through the schedule last week. I think it's 10, which honestly, 10 is kind of a... Like, if you go back to three, four years ago when they signed Kirk Cousins and you're saying, all right, all these all these key players, you're going to get this Justin Jefferson guy in the draft. He's going to be amazing. Dalvin Cook is going to be one of the two or three best running backs in the NFL. You're still only going to win, like, ten games in the regular season and be fighting for a wild card spot. I would say, uh, I'd yeah. like a little bit more out of this team. Hell, <laughs> oh, yeah. I would. Uh, but that's kind of how I feel. I think it's a ten-win team, so certainly not a disaster. Certainly a playoff team. Um, and I will I will withhold my playoff take for a declarative statement here in a moment. <laughs> I wasn't that far off. You weren't. You weren't. They, they won. They won eight. They won eight. They certainly and you were. Know a, what? And if, certainly were a if, playoff team. If Greg Joseph doesn't miss a field goal, oh, yeah. And if Dalvin Cook Cook doesn't fumble. See how fat my face was. I, honestly, I hate to be this person. That was the first thing I noticed. I was pre Livia Judd. Pre Livia <laughs> Judd. Pre-Livia oh, Judd. Boy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. I thought I was. I was trying to. Did I say twelve wins or something? I said ten. You said ten. I, you know, that's actually, bad. that's not bad at all. It's no. not bad. I thought it'd be worse. Not bad. Here's Judd. What will the Vikings' final record be, and will they make the playoffs? Yes or no, Judd. I believe I predicted uh, when we went through the actual schedule last week or a couple of weeks ago. I think I predicted nine wins. I'm going to mm-hmm. up that. I'm going to up that to ten. Wow. I'm going to apply right some pressure here. Wow. Ten and don't forget now seventeen games. Ten and seven and yes they will. 
Boo! I love it. I love Stick it. I love nine, fatty. But I love how your explanation wasn't like, I'm going to move him to 10 because I think the team is better than I gave him credit for. You're going to move him to 10 to put pressure, pressure on him. Yeah, there was pressure. And you <laughs> know pressure what? They failed him. the test and the GM and coach paid with their jobs. Yep. Oh, Raise man. expectations and then criticize when they fall short. Right. I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> All right. And then there's me. Oh, Judd there. The Vikings will finish exactly 9-8. and eight. They will finish 9-8 and eight this season. That's where I'm at. And playoffs or no? Yes, they are the last team in. They win the wild card round, and then they lose in the divisional round. Oh, okay. So I, I actually was closer in the win total, but then I took it one step further to predict yeah. the exact yes. situations that happened. So yes. I think I, I think Declan's the winner there. Congratulations, <laughs> amazing. Um, real quick, just to cap off this reckless speculation Thursday, according to a couple reports. Rick Spielman is about to get yeah. essentially the head of the Jaguars front office job. So he is going to get this is from Jonathan Jones on Twitter. Momentum is gaining in Jacksonville for former Vikings GM Rick Spielman to ultimately get a football position that reports directly to owner Shad Khan and is above GM Trent Balky. So Trent Balky's history president of football ops or something. Super interesting. So I think that's the job, if I'm not mistaken here, that Spielman was sort of going to get here yeah. above the GM, but the GM was going to run the football ops. Frozen, yeah. hmm. Interesting. I'm frozen. Declan's frozen. I, you the, are the, frozen. Thought, the thought of again, Spielman and Kellen like... Moore in Jacksonville right now has just caused my brain to just freeze. <laughs> You're frozen, and again, it's a good picture. I am so jealous of the uh, fact that when Declan... Uh, it's still not bad. My mouth would... Would be I got open the, or something. I got the Buddy Holly stupid. glasses on. It's the it's the day that music died anniversary today too. I just it's the spirit of Buddy Holly. Just, Is it really uh, clear I, like I, Iowa? Yeah, yeah. I, oh, I didn't know that big day the music died. Richie, Richie Valens. Valens. Well, almost lost Waylon Jennings. Waylon Jennings. Yeah, gave up the yep, seat, but he, took, but he took the bus. Do you like these facts, Phil? That's why John Madden took the bus too. He had a <laughs> similar scare, <laughs> claustrophobic problem. Mm-hmm. Oh man, claustrophobia. And with anyway, that, that's really and sad. Gone to playing great song. All right, tomorrow feedback Friday. Send in your feedback to the Score North app. Just click on that feedback tab, and uh, we'll see you guys, Mackie. <laughs> Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.